I had a chance to talk with Jimmy Wong, star of the Netflix animated film Wish Dragon, about the importance of having Asian American and Pacific Islander role models in media, and the rise of anti-Asian hate. I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. Jimmy, welcome, and thanks for taking the time to talk to me. Hello. Thank you for having me, Roger. First off, congrats on Wish Dragon on Netflix. I noticed it was number one over the weekend. And uh, just a note, I, I watched it with my oldest son and my wife, who actually actually cried at the end. She got a I did emotional. too. I cried. Uh, I watched it again yesterday with my wife's dad for Father's Day. And nice. He didn't cry, but everyone watching it cried a bunch. <laughs> yeah, it gets it gets pretty emotional at the end. So uh, I, I really enjoyed it. One of the things I liked about it, and this is a film that's set in modern Shanghai. Uh, you know, little touches like your character delivering dumplings, uh, as opposed to like a pizza delivery guy, right? It, but the thing of it is, was it was never called out as. You know, a Chinese film or a film in China. It just was. And I'm curious, you know, the thought that went into crafting a story like that and, and presenting a story in this way where you're, it's clearly, you know, Asian touches and influences, but it's not necessarily an Asian film. Right. So the director, his name is Chris Applehans. Uh, those of you listening may notice that the last name Applehans does not denote an Asian heritage. Um, but Chris lived in China for three years, and this movie is actually dedicated to one of his best friends he had out there. Um, and he's someone that is a hundred percent a creator, artist, you know, type. They they feel the work that they do. You know, you can really tell that when he speaks about the movie, when he's drawing it, he's really soft spoken. He has this sort of like ethereal quality about him. And I think that's the perfect kind of person to take a story like this, which is a cross-cultural one, and make it into a sort of a story that anyone can enjoy, regardless of where you're from, because it's presented, like you said, in a way that isn't very much in your face. It's not like, this is a Chinese movie about Chinese representation. It's like, no, this is a story about a boy who wants to find his best friend back. And he's a guy that makes ends meet. In the meantime, he's very much a just regular teenager. Um, and when I was watching the movie this last weekend, uh, my wife's dad, who grew up and was born in China, was chuckling a lot because he kept seeing things in the scenery, posters, signs, things that you would not see in an American movie because it's just not an American you know, movie. So he, he was laughing because he was like, oh, wow, look, that's, this is that, that's that. And it was great because he recognized things that you know, completely I missed when I watched it, even though I've been to China a bunch of times. Um, so it was really cute and fun to see that the cultural authenticity was there, but it wasn't done in a way that distracted the viewers because I didn't see it. And I've seen the movie, what, four or five times now. But on his first viewing, it was like little nuggets of Easter eggs. And I could tell it actually made him really happy because I just don't think he expected that from a movie that was, you know, an American-made movie based in China. Yeah, absolutely. You bring up the point about representation and seeing these little things, these little elements that that maybe, like, I wouldn't even recognize, but maybe my parents would. Uh, I mean, for one, like, the for me, like, the mother character, which was great, uh, Constance Wu plays her, like, very very much, like, the mother I had, in terms of personality, like, little little personality traits that I was able to pick up. I'm, I'm, I'm curious, you know, we've, you know, with films like Wish Dragon and, you know, we got shows like Kung Fu and I know Shang-Chi is coming out later this year. It seems like there's a rise in representation in media. But I'm, I'm curious from your from your perspective, like how far we've actually come. I know I like looking back to like 2018 when Crazy Rich Asians came out and like it seemed to signal this renaissance of, you know, Asian American representation. But where are we in this uh, in this cycle? I think uh, Crazy Rich Asians was like our big fat Greek wedding, but for Asian culture. Um, and 
I think personally, I think we're entering into or have entered into a golden age of Asian representation in cinema because of, you know, there's so many forces pushing it forward, both from a cultural standpoint with the rise in anti-Asian crime. It's more important than ever that people are making these stories and you can tell there's a renewed urgency from filmmakers and creators from the internet where I'm really familiar with all the way to sort of like the Hollywood circles. Um, and at the same time, we, you know, and this is no shade at all on Kung Fu because it's a movie that was originally completely whitewashed with David Carradine playing the lead and now with Olivia Lang doing it and a bunch of Asian actors. So it's like sort of reclaiming space that was taken away originally, um, but it's still called Kung Fu. And Shang-Chi at the end of the day is still a martial arts movie, right, in a lot of ways. But it's set in the Marvel Universe, so it does expand its reach outwards quite a bit. Um, I think we are much, much further than we've ever been. There's obviously tons of ground still to cover, but where we've gotten to, right, we have movies like Minari, which is just a, like mm. really just about a family at the end of the day, a struggling family in a country like America. It could be about any immigrant family, but in this case, it's about a Korean one. Um, and that's receiving Oscar noms. We have Oscar, uh, Chloe Zhao winning Oscars as a director behind the camera and doing movies like The Eternals. So as far as like the representation goes from in front of the camera and behind the camera, I think we're in a great spot. We have so many talented, hardworking individuals out there making new and bigger things every day. It's, I think, really a matter of a couple of things. Hollywood is driven primarily by money. Mm -hmm. um, so the movies that we're making need to be successful in order for the momentum to keep going or to receive critical acclaim. Uh, and the other side of it is, are those opportunities going to be continued to be granted to marginalized groups and minority filmmakers and stuff uh, and actors and all that. Um, now, I just auditioned for a role like yesterday, for instance, that was about a, it was a coach for an esports team. And that's great because that role, right, back in the day, someone's like, you're a coach for a team, may not have envisioned, oh, this is going to be an Asian person. But we're also in a point in society where esports is so big and so popular and a lot of the big coaches are Asian and you see them all the time on streams, on like LCS and the and like all of the League of Legends tournaments and stuff. And every esport has major Asian players and coaches that that role is now seen as when we go out to audition for this, it's open ethnicity. It could be anyone. And they specifically wanted to audition, I think, me because I have history in the gaming space. But I do genuinely look kind of like people that might play in that league because it's something that has arisen over the past five, six years, more so than ever. So I think there's just a lot of different factors compiling together to make this a great time for Asian representation, and it's just the beginning. Yeah, I mean, I imagine that's very viable. Given that you were on video game high school, there's there's definitely some cred there. I could definitely see you in that role. Uh, speaking of that, I'm just curious about the, the the importance of that that aspect. You talked about those elements that your uh, your grandfather, your father, t recognized in Wish Dragon, and how like how important is it that I think folks can watch something on screen and see themselves there. Like what, and, and the importance of that, just because I was thinking back at like the cartoons I used to watch uh, and, and they're, they're and, like or Power Rangers, right? And it was always the lead character was almost always, no, it was always a white dude, always a white dude, right? It was it, it like, and I, and I thought back to the point where even when I was sort of role playing, when I was creating characters for myself, like the main character tended to be a white guy because that's just all I saw. And I'm just curious what your, your thoughts are on that and, and how this increased representation might change things. 
Yeah, well, a lot of layers to this. The ironic thing is that as soon as that main character put on a mask and started doing martial arts or fighting in <laughs> any Power Rangers, it's 1,000% a Japanese or Asian stunt person yep. in, in the costume. So it's funny that <laughs> they're doing all the hard work and the moment that they take off the mask, it's like, it's me, not the stunt person that was grinding it out and getting themselves potentially hurt doing these awesome stunts. Um, and so I think like a lot of people don't realize what having role models on screen feels like when you are not part of a minority. And it's, you know, I, I hate to use the word privilege because I think it's a loaded term and people just have a uh, reaction to it, but we all are privileged in different ways. And one of the privileges that I think minority and minor marginalized groups don't really have as much growing up is that they don't get to see themselves portrayed as the good guys necessarily, or the hero or the guy that gets the girl on screen. And I specifically remember growing up and always loving James Bond. You know, I thought James Bond was so cool whipping out his gun and like doing that whole intro sequence had me so hyped up every single time. And my equivalent of that was not with a gun and cool spy gadgets and suaveness and getting the girl, but my equivalent was, and again, no shame to them because I love them very much, Jackie Chan and Jet Li, who were fighting comedically. You know, Jackie had a big goofy face and did awesome martial arts and incredibly impressive stuff, but still had to speak with an accent, didn't get the girl, you know, wasn't seen like as a romantic lead. He was more often like a comedic thing uh, and almost, you know, and what he did was so incredible. And if it wasn't for the fact, right, like think about it, Jackie Chan had to literally perform at a capability that no other human on screen has really come close to like save i don't know buster keaton maybe uh, for him to get that acclaim and that ability and same with jet Li, they had to use that physical aspect of them to be so impressive and so amazing for them to become those lead actors and that's a privilege that that a lot of i guess mainstream white actors and white roles don't have because they don't need to be amazing at martial arts they can just be themselves and still be the lead of something so if you think about it that way and that they had to have such an incredible amount of prowess and something in order to even get to that point, I think that speaks a lot to why representation matters. Because me growing up, I didn't do martial arts. I am not physically gifted in a lot of ways. So that was like something I just saw and was impressed by, but I didn't see myself in. Now, when I watched Harold and Kumar with John Cho and, you know, he gets the girl at the end and he we don't, they barely talk about being Asian at all. Both the actors are Asian and they are, you know, suave, funny, clumsy, crazy, and they go through the entire story as the heroes. That to me resonated so much more because I was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. John Cho is so cool and I can see myself in that. Um, that's why I think I loved animation growing up is because when you see someone on screen that's animated, you don't necessarily know what race they are, especially mm -hmm. in like Japanese anime when all the features are all over the place and their hair is blue or whatever. So I think there is so much of a, you know, like in the same way that a, kid st a baby sticks out their tongue when they see you sticking your tongue out at them. We do the same when we watch movies and TV and read stuff and see things on the news. And, you know, we really become a reflection of all that. So I think the more positive role models we have, the more positive news and things that we have, the better that we can see ourselves reflected in society. And then that helps us elevate ourselves to a higher level. And this goes across the board for everyone, even the white kid that did have the white heroes on screen, maybe they felt the same way I did. Like, I don't, I don't get the girl. I don't shoot guns. I can't do mm. cool fight scenes. I don't see myself in there. But then along comes a plucky little hero in an animated show that is a kid that's just trying to get by. It's like Dipper and Gravity Falls. And they're like, I see myself in that. So, it's really important to give those opportunities for young people growing up because that's what I think really inspires them to to grow into something more. All right, absolutely. I mean, Wish uh, Wish Dragon is is available on Netflix. Uh, there was another one I saw recently that that also had 
uh, a lot of Asian influence over the moon. There, I, I noticed there are a lot of. Uh, it seems like there's a lot of opportunities, particularly on streaming. Do you do you see that there's there are more opportunities there, or and that it's still difficult from a more traditional platform perspective to to get content on there, like in terms of cinema or broadcast television? Yeah, I don't think streaming is going away ever. Uh, I think we're right. fully right. The pandemic, if anything, it put the fast press the fast forward button and put us into an age that maybe we would have taken three, four more years to get to. Um, and that just, we're just a purely digital society almost entirely at this point. Um, so I think streaming is here to stay. And the thing that I think about when I think about streaming and all that stuff is that YouTube and all that was where minorities found a lot of ability to express themselves and get popular. Like 2011, 2012 YouTube was like Wong Fu, Niga Higa, mm -hmm. you know, all Kev Jumba, all those people. And they were Asians on screen doing cool things or telling their stories. And we're back to that, right? And then those Asians on, that wanted to get into Hollywood and then Hollywood went onto the internet and now we're sort of doing this sort of recircling around back to it. So I think things are gonna stay streaming for a while and hopefully that means that people are gonna be more open to one, needing more content, so that means more opportunity and also at a budget level that's a bit more accessible for people that aren't trying to make an episode of TV at five to $10 million a piece. Um, so right. I think that's that's going to be a big shift as well as can we find where that middle ground is that people are like, this is good quality enough that I think it's acceptable to watch and feel like it's professional. And it doesn't need to be to the moon in terms of budget for it to even make it onto, you know, make it into existence in the first place. Yeah, just to follow along with that, just given that there are these opportunities in streaming right now, I guess, let me ask this, the, the former question another way, like, Will that, I guess, proliferate onto those more traditional platforms? Like, will the opportunities that we're seeing on streaming, whether it's HBO Max or Netflix, and all these, all the money that's being thrown at these various projects, will that ripple out onto more traditional platforms like broadcast TV or like cinema? It probably has to, uh, because if you have a success in the streaming world, then that person is going to be successful in other realms because they're just shown to be successful. Like Millie Bobby Brown's a great example from Stranger Things or any of the cast from Stranger Things. Purely streaming show only. It was a huge success, one that you can tell Netflix wants to replicate until the end of their days. And every <laughs> single person from that is now in bigger movies, they're on magazine covers, they have massive followings on social. So I think if streaming at least grants those opportunities to more actors and some of them happen to be Asian, then that's going to mean that you're going to see more Asians in the mainstream. So it's like the, you know, it's the general effect of like when someone is vetted and proven to be like good, handsome, beautiful, amazing, appealing, successful, people want more of it, they have a gravitational pull, that's going to attract the attention of other people that want to be a part of it. And you know that's sort of the nature of Hollywood. That's why you get really skeevy business and really awesome business at the same time is you have these really magnetic personalities. And so I think streaming is just another place for those to come and pop up. Like you can already see it with the influencers and all that. Influencers are in general, I don't think are gonna be able to make it into like acting and all that because that's a very specific craft. But you see tons of influencers like the Casey Neistats of the world make it into bigger production roles and now they're directing commercials or whatever it is. So just having more opportunity is going to create more stuff. It's sort of like, you know, like it's people are always sending me videos of things that happened in like Russia or China. And you're like, oh my gosh, look at this crazy thing caught on camera. And it's like, it's not that crazy if you think about how many people are there and just the fact that more of them are filming. And it's just naturally going to have more stuff happen. They're going to see more comets falling from the sky or whatever. And so I think that's the same when it comes to just giving more opportunity for things in general on streaming, internet, digital, all that. So as someone who's seen a fair amount of success, I'm curious what 
you know, you're doing to help create a pipeline so that, you know, future talent in the AAPI community can follow the path you blazed. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I blazed it. I feel like I'm like <laughs> cruising along right behind the real blazers, the trailblazers. Okay. Fair enough. It's tough though, because I mean, like if you are a trailblazer, you also risk being cut down first. Uh, and mm-hmm. you also risk like making the mistake that is going to, you know, tarnish the reputation of everyone else trying to blaze the trail. So it's like a really tricky road to be on, but it's one that I think, you know, the more people that are on it, the safer it is as a whole, because right now we're in this position where if one, like, right, like what, let's say we only had one Shang-Chi and that was it. There's no Kung mm-hmm. Fu, there was no Wish Dragon, no Mulan, nothing. And that movie was bad. Everyone would just go, wow, that's, look at that one for one. But if it's one movie out of 50, then it's like one for 50, bad, whatever. The other 46, 47, 48 were pretty good. And two of them were amazing or whatever, right? So, and, and so I think like that pressure is going away. So that's great because mm-hmm. I want movies like Shang-Chi to succeed and be awesome. But I also don't want it to be so that if a big movie doesn't work and it's the only one that's being made of that kind, that that just like tarnishes everything. And then people go, okay, well, we're not going to fund this kind of thing anymore. That concludes the first part of our two-part interview. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge or send for direct text messages from me by heading to cnet.co slash daily charge. If you liked what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.